Hello, listeners. Welcome to PR Hangover. I'm Emma Nelson, and you're listening to a public relations podcast brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter. Grab a cup of coffee, relax, and get ready to talk all things PR. Before I talk with this week's guest, I'm going to introduce you to one of our eboard members. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to PR Hangover. Today, our guest is Miss Sam Stoddard. Sam, welcome to PR Hangover. Thanks for having me, Emma. Of course. So excited you're here. If you just want to give a little introduction about yourself to our listeners. Of course, yeah. So my name is Sam Stoddard. I'm a senior. I'm majoring in advertising and public relations, and I have a minor in digital studies. This is my third year being involved with PRSSA, my first year on eBoard. Uh, it's also my second semester as an account associate for Grand PR as well. Look at you! Ooh. So do you want to tell us the tasks of your position on eBoard? Um, what qualities you think are valuable for it? Anything like that? Yeah, so pretty much I plan our chapter meetings, and as you guys can probably tell, they're a little bit different this year than last year. So I'm also, we started the PRSSA Reimagined, which is like a virtual programming partnership with five other schools. So we're kind of taking turns hosting virtual panels this semester in place of our traditional in-person meetings. Um, I also help plan our prep school with Katie, who's our Vice President of Professional Development, and then I help our VP of Member Services, Kylie, with help um, planning bonding events, and then just working with our social media director to kind of help promote the different events that we do. But yeah, it's pretty much what I do. Um, as far as qualities, I would say the main one is just organization, because a lot of what I do is, you know, reaching out to different people, like on LinkedIn and email, and just kind of keeping everything I'm doing organized and making sure I'm staying on track with getting everything done. Right, lots to balance over there. Wow. What would you say the most rewarding part of your position is? I'd say there's two things. So first is probably getting to be able to build relationships with the guest speakers and kind of form that connection is something kind of unique to my position that I really like. And then Also just hearing from members, whether it's talking with people or reading through all the hashtag PR Thursday tweets and just being able to see how much everyone gets out of the meetings and, you know, how much they learn. It's like a great feeling. What has been your favorite either PRSSA or Grand PR memory? I don't know if I have one specific one, but I would say just over the past couple of years going on the agency tours for with PRSSA has been so much fun. Um, It's such a good bonding event with like other people because, you know, when you're stuck in a car for three hours with someone you don't know very well, you get close pretty quick and it's fun and just being able to like talk with people directly at their work and like learn about what they do, what it's like to work there is so rewarding. And then also, I mean, recent, but hosting the panel was really fun. It was a good experience, something I've never done something like that before. And it was nerve wracking, but definitely worth it and a good time. And then to close, what is your advice for ad and PR students here at Grand Valley? A few things. So I would say first, getting involved, whether that's with PRSSA, ad club, Grand PR, um, or other organizations. I think it's just, it's really uh, important to be able to, you know, make friends with your classmates. And I think it's so helpful going into 
a class and being like, oh, I know this person, this person, this person, and having those resources. Also, I'd say getting to know your professors. I know that can be kind of intimidating, but for me, it's been like, it makes, I don't know, it's been worth it. And it's been nice to be able to feel comfortable reaching out to your professors, even if you don't have them anymore for other classes. And then lastly, just remember you're capable of a lot more than you realize. I know like a lot of our classes are very intimidating and challenging and you feel like you have so much going on at once, but you'll get through it and you'll be really proud of yourself and you'll be surprised with how much you were able to accomplish. I feel like I felt that way at least. I'm sure other people can relate. Oh, for sure. And you said that perfectly. I love that. That was a great piece of advice. Oh my gosh, getting emotional. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your advice, your insights, your experiences. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. I'm glad I could be here. Hello, listeners. Welcome to PR Hangover. Today, our guest is Mr. Sean O'Leary. Welcome. So if you just want to give us a little introduction about yourself and what you do. Uh, yeah, thank you. So uh, like I said, like you said, my name is Sean O'Leary. I'm a vice president at Susan Davis International. Uh, we are a public affairs, media relations, and event firm uh, based in Washington, D.C. Um, and for my background, uh, I've been in communications PR probably for about 10, 15 years at this point. Um, I actually started my career as a newspaper reporter. Um, so I did that for about the first six years of my career um, and then have moved over to communications where I have been uh, ever since. And I guess my, my main background recently has been with tech companies, uh, but do a lot of work obviously being in D.C. with government agencies, companies trying to sell to the government, um, and then a lot of like nonprofit uh, advocacy work as well. Oh, wow. Your resume is looking good. <laughs> um, so do you want to describe your journey into PR and how how you entered that field or discovered it? Yeah. So uh, like I said, so I started my career as a reporter. Um, so especially when I was a daily newspaper reporter, I didn't deal with PR folks too much. Um, every once in a while, um, I covered, I was a newspaper reporter in Eastern Connecticut. So there was a hospital um, that was in one of the towns that I covered. Um, so I dealt with sort of their communications people. Uh, but then I went over to the Hartford Business Journal, um, and then I dealt with a lot of PR people <laughs> for the first time. Um, and I'm going to age myself, but this is around 2007, 2008. Um, so my journey into communications was a little bit forced, uh, where my uh, newspaper was laying people off. And I was the most senior reporter, so I got laid off. So I was looking for a job at sort of the height of the Great Recession. Um, so I actually relied on some of my PR contacts. Um, and it was actually funny. It was um, a woman I had worked with on stories from that hospital, both at the newspaper and at the Hartford Business Journal. Um, and she had moved on to the National MS Society. Um, and I had actually sort of got involved with the MS Society. My aunt has MS. So I like, participated in their walks and their fundraisers. Um, so that was my entry point. I was a communication specialist for the MS Society in Connecticut. Um, and I tell people all the time, I think it was a great way for me to get involved in communications because it was such a small staff and we did so many different fundraisers um, that I got involved with a lot of things that um, have helped me out <laughs> in the future, you know, nuts to bolts from marketing, um, from writing press releases to even going on local TV and doing interviews. So it was, it was great for me and it kind of let me know that there was going to be a good career path for me. What would you say your specialty is? Because Obviously, you are very well-versed in a lot of things, so would you put yourself into a category of one PR strategy that you're good at, or are you just pretty good at it all? 
Uh, well, I, I don't think I'm good at it at all, but I would say I think that my biggest asset is figuring out what reporters will care about. Um, and obviously, reporting has changed greatly since I was a reporter. You know, I was, I'm, I'm old, right? I was a reporter before there was, you know, Twitter and Facebook. Um, but I think the basics of journalism is the same. And I think that helps a lot, especially working in D.C. with, like, tech companies. Uh, they're so focused on, like, their products, what they're trying to sell, that they're not really thinking about all the time sort of, like, what is going to resonate with a reporter. Um, so that's kind of what I think sort of sets me apart and something we do at SCI, which is sort of our bread and butter, is the strategy piece and the messaging and figuring out what's going to resonate. Because in my opinion, once you figure out sort of what your key message is and what's going to resonate, the tactics become very easy. Um, and I think too many times people are too focused on the tactics of it. It's like, oh, is this a press release? Is this a tweet? Is, you know, and I think it's like, let's get the message set first and then we figure it out. So I would say that sort of is my, my bread and butter. And you kind of touched on that with that answer, but how do you think being a journalist shaped your view of PR and helped you during your like career switch? Yeah, well, I would say the biggest thing is that uh, I understand sort of where reporters are coming from um, and sort of like what their lives are like. Um, and especially this has come up a lot during, you know, COVID-19, where I kind of have to let clients know that reporters right now are like probably so frazzled and so busy with stuff that sometimes it may come across that they're being combative and they're not actually being combative. They're just trying to get the information as quickly as possible. And they probably heard, you know, a thousand different things. Um, so I think that that's one difference I have. Um, and I think the other thing too, and I just mentioned is like, just try to picture like, what is the headline of the story? Um, so like when I'm coming up with talking points for a spokesperson, you know, they want to get in all the good stuff about the company, which is understandable and they have to do that. But I always try to make them think about like, what is the headline of the story? What is the lead of this story going to be? And kind of focus on that, that top message because everything else I think will just kind of fall in line after that. I was um, thinking about going into journalism and PR, like those were the two. So it's always fun to hear the comparison and especially from people who have been in both. But what would you say the highs and lows of a career in PR or communication are? Um, I guess this could be personal or it could just be generalized. Yep. So I would say, well, it's, it's interesting because I think to be in PR, you need to have sort of a specific sort of mentality about things. So this could be a high or a low, depending on how you view things. Mm -hmm. But the thing about PR is that when I go into work and when I go to my home office every day, you know, I just don't know what's going to happen every day. Like I'll have some meetings on my calendar. I may think I know what I'm going to do, but you really don't. Um, and especially if you work for an agency, right? You, you will have multiple clients. You have never, you, you don't really know what's going to happen from day to day. So I think that's something from being a newspaper reporter that was very easy for me to transition into communications because newspaper, that's every single day when you're a newspaper reporter you don't know what you're going to be covering that day. You might have like one or two meetings or interviews, but the rest of the day is just kind of you know, up for grabs. So I think that that's tough, especially for like younger, what I've noticed with some younger PR folks is that it's tough for them to kind of get in that mindset um, that it's like, you don't, you, you may think you may go into like the day thinking you have a set schedule, um, but you don't. So <laughs> that can either be a high or a low, uh, but then in terms of like a high, it's just when you do something really successful, you know, it, there's just sort of like that feeling of accomplishment um, that can come along more often than in other fields. Um, you know, just for example, like I have a client, like just yesterday, we got sort of like this big article placed. Um, and it was, wasn't a big thing, wasn't a huge thing, but it was just like, yes, we did it. Uh, and the woman who wrote the article was very excited about it. Um, so you got to get a little bit more of those little wins. 
Um, and then on the flip side too, which could be a low, is that you do go through maybe weeks at a time where you're not getting your clients coverage or interviews or stuff just isn't landing. Um, and it sort of feels like the world <laughs> crashing down on you, uh, especially depending on who the client is. So <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like the up and down nature of the business. Do you do any crisis PR? I do, <laughs> especially especially this summer. How is that? If you can give a little spiel about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the thing with crisis communications, uh, and I've written about this a couple times, I think you know, there's a couple things that I like to keep in mind, but I think the big thing is just trust with the client and who you're dealing with. Um, you know, I'll give it just an example. I mean, I've, I'm doing crisis communications right now on behalf of clients, um, and we have good relationships with the clients, so the transparency is key. As the PR folk, I just need to know everything that's going on so I can, you know, give them good advice. Uh, but I will say about 10 years ago, I was internal at a company, and when crises would come up, I was not getting all of the information, um, which would make my life extremely difficult. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing with crisis is that you just need to, like, you just need to have situational awareness about what's going on so you can kind of formulate, you know, the best plan of attack. Uh, but I think the other thing with crisis communication is that there isn't always sort of like a good answer. There's only like which answer is less bad, <laughs> you know, because if you're in a crisis, you know, there's probably not like some magic bullet that you're going to say, oh, I'm going to put this statement out. It's all going to go away. Um, it's more about like, how do we manage this crisis to the point where it doesn't, you know, snowball into a much bigger crisis. So those are things I think that you learn over time when it comes to crisis. Are you able to like leave like the office at home, I guess, when it comes to crisis or is, does it kind of integrate into your life if you always have to be anticipating what's coming next? Yeah, I mean, I would at least say for right now, I've been able to sort of separate the two. I mean, I haven't done any sort of huge crisis. It's been like sort of like a 24-hour, you know, nonstop crisis. Although, I mean, it's happened in the past, but at least recently, <laughs> it, it, it hasn't. So I guess I'm lucky from that perspective. You know, and it has to be like, certainly we do crisis, but I mean, we're not like a crisis firm. Um, you know, there are certainly firms out there where that's all they do all day, every day. Um, and frankly, I don't know if that would be something I could deal with. A little bit too much of a positive person to be dealing with crisis uh, all the time. Um, so, yeah, but at least for me right now, yeah, we've been able to sort of separate it. Obviously crisis. And then you mentioned you worked in the technology industry. If you could just describe your work in that and how you work with that communication side of things and how they correlate together. Yeah, so for technology, uh, so my, my previous job, we uh, the firm I worked for was 100% technology. So all of my clients were technology focused. Um, and it kind of ran, ran the gamut of, you know, billion dollar public tech companies and then like emerging startup tech companies that were just trying to get started. Um, and I think the interesting thing with technology and I think this goes back to the tactics is that a lot of the times these technology companies have sort of ideas in mind for like how they want to get their message out there. You know, something like we're big on social media, we're big with events. And my thing is just like, no matter what tactic you choose, you need to have a compelling message that differentiates you from competitors. Um, and I think that differentiation piece is just so key for technology companies, especially now there's just so many technology companies out there uh, and especially like in the emerging space, right? It's like how many AI companies, automation companies, et cetera, are out there. So I really work, especially when it's like a new client that we're bringing on board, it's like digging down deep to figuring out, okay, what is that thing that makes you different? And then let's figure out how to, you know, publicize that to the utmost. Um, and the other thing too, with tech companies, is just the, the spokespeople. Um, and making sure that they, they are good messengers for the company. 
Because I think sometimes, I mentioned this before, that tech companies are so sort of internally, they're so focused on what they're doing, and rightly so, um, that you kind of have to get their mindset flipped to thinking about sort of how is this going to be viewed by the broader market, not just, you know, your peers in the tech space. Um, and especially if it's like a consumer brand, right? That's much different. Um, but then even, you know, being in D.C., we work with a lot of tech companies that are selling to the government. So it's like, how does your tech translate to somebody at a federal agency, which has a much different need than like a private sector company when it comes to like AI or automation or things like that. So it's really about figuring out the right audience too. Oh, wow. I'm like ready to go to, into technology. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting. I'll give you that. I mean, the one thing I did like about working with technology is that a lot of these companies, especially like in the emerging and the startup, like these folks are so into it, <laughs> you know, they have big ideas, they have big dreams and they've come up with like these really cool products. So I think that energy comes across, which I, you know, I think that motivates me as a PR person um, when the company has that sort of energy that like we want to do this and they're just sort of shooting for the moon. It's like, okay, I want to help you get there. And okay, this is just a side note, but do you like living in DC? Like how is just like life there? I was going to say, I, I love living in D.C. I Like I said, I grew up and worked in Connecticut, but I actually went to college in D.C., in George Washington University. Um, and one of the reasons I did is because I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut, so I wanted to be in a city. Um, and my family is all from New York, so I've been to New York a thousand times, and that wasn't sort of like my city. Um, but I just, I love the vibe of D.C. Um, I live downtown. Our office is downtown. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do much this summer, which kind of takes away from the excitement of living in D.C., um, but I just, it, it's funny, every once in a while, like, I'll get, like, stuck in traffic, or I'll be walking home, and I'll, like, look to the right, and I'll see, like, the Washington Monument or something, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm in, like, the capital of the country, <laughs> so, yeah, and D.C.'s changed a lot, too, because, I mean, again, I'm sort of old, so when I came to school for the first time in 99, this was very much just a political city, like, everyone, it felt like everyone who worked here was here because they were involved with the government somehow, and in the last 20 years, and this certainly changed uh, under President Obama just because of the, the tech side of things, because tech companies realized that there was money to be made from the government. Um, so it's a much more diverse city in terms of like the companies that are located here. And that certainly changed sort of like, certainly everyone here still cares about politics, but it's not like it was 20, 30 years ago where it was like 100% politics. Now everyone cares about politics, but we work in different fields. How important is writing within communications? I know you're obviously very well versed in writing, but I yeah. myself am I'm double majoring in PR and writing, so I just wanted to hear firsthand what it's like in the communications industry. Yeah, I would say writing is a vital skill to have for PR, um, especially right now, because just about everything we do involves writing, whether it's a pitch, whether you're writing, ghostwriting an article, whether you're putting together talking points, I mean, just, I mean, social media copy, marketing copy, everything comes from writing. Um, so especially like when we're hiring folks, like we give everyone a writing test, we need to make sure that they at least have the basics, um, that they have those skills. Um, and I always say if someone has like good writing skills, I can kind of teach them to write for any, like, again, it goes back to the tactics. If you have the skills to write, then I can teach you how to write for like social media, for a brochure, for an article. Um, but and especially with the communication, like, you know, when we're pitching reporters, very rarely are we just cold calling reporters, you know, and having that conversation on the phone. It usually starts with an email pitch. So you need to be writing, well, just for the very basics of what we do with PR, you need to be able to write good pitches. So, yeah, I would say writing is, you know, I mean, it might be the most important skill, especially for like a new person coming into PR. Um, 
that, that those writing skills is up there in the top of like most important that they're going to need to have. Now, what did, what's your advice for students who I guess are either unsure of their career path or you're speaking to a podcast for PR students. So also mm-hmm. advice for them as well. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about PR, any field, I mean, my first advice would be to try to see if you can get an, an internship um, with a PR firm uh, at SDI. We usually have two to three interns constantly. Uh, and I know some of them have come in and be like, this is the field for me. And then others come in and they're like, this is not the, the field for me. Um, and I think that's sort of the, the purpose of internships. Um, like, for example, I, when I was in college, you know, the, one of the ways that I knew I wanted to become a newspaper reporter is that I had an internship with a newspaper one summer and like the light bulb went off. I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. So internship number one. Um, and then number two, I mean, I just kind of go into events and sort of hearing from folks in the field. Um, yeah, and there's sort of a lot of different ways to do that, but I think just getting educated as much as possible about what like a life in that field would look like, whether it's communications, whether it's journal, whatever it is, um, just make sure you know what it is before you sort of dive into it um, as a career. Um, and especially now, like, especially with COVID, right, there's all these like virtual webinars, virtual events. So it's like, just listen in, hear what people have to say about things. Um, and then, you know, and I also would recommend too, if you go to some of these events or just having like a one-on-one conversation with somebody, um, like we're having right now, <laughs> you know, just having that one-on-one conversation, kind of picking their brain. Um, cause I think you can kind of figure out from other people's experiences, if it sounds like something you'd be interested in or not. Um, and then I guess kind of a closing question, what is your advice for working remotely and from home? We are entering this new phase of school online. So any advice you have, please pass it on. Yeah, it's funny because so working in technology, and I mentioned that a lot of the companies I work for are trying to sell it to the government. So I've worked with a few Silicon Valley companies where they've had people who have been working from home this entire time, like their entire careers have been remote working. So this wasn't too much different for them, except the big difference was that they couldn't get out of their house. So usually when you like work remotely, it's like you can take a break and like go hang out in the Starbucks for a couple hours or like, you know, go to the gym or do something during the day, which hasn't really been um, an option because the reason I bring that up is because in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was like, make sure you stay with a routine, act like you're going to the office, do everything that you would. Um, and I, at least I found really quickly that that was terrible advice. Like you just can't recreate going to the office if you're just staying at home. So I think there's two things. I think one is figuring out what routine works for you from working from home. Um, so don't try to like recreate your office environment. It's like, what works for me? What does my schedule like look like? Um, and then the other thing is just try to figure out a place and I'm sort of in our little home office here where you can just sort of like block things off and like just treat it like this is where I work. Um, because I know like in my previous job, we would work from home like one day a week. So when I had that one day a week, sometimes I take a call from my bedroom. Sometimes I take a call from the living room. It was just like one day. It didn't really matter. But now that I'm here five days a week, it's like, I just need to have some sort of a structure, um, to my day so I can like just shut the door. Like the dog can't come in and bug me if he wants to, if I'm in here right now, (laughs) you know? So I just think, you know, it's really about like what works for you um, as opposed to like trying to recreate the office environment. So I think that's the big thing. Um, I would say the other thing too, is just making sure that you like unplug at the end of the day. Um, Cause I think at least in the beginning, I don't know if this is still true for everybody. It's like, it felt like work never ended because there was no like markers on your day anymore. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm leaving the office. It's over. 
it was just like calls would happen all the time. It's like this endless loop where you don't know like what the days are. So I think the big thing, and we do that at, at SDI, right? It's like, you know, when it's closing time, unless it's like an emergency or something, close your laptop, turn your phone off, you know, and go be a human being for a little bit, a little while. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Tune in every other Wednesday for a new episode of PR Hangover. Follow us on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA and visit GVPRSSA.com to get insights on this week's episode.